0: Welcome to Pep Talks, People Empowering People. These uplifting interviews allow everyday people to share their not-so-everyday stories of resiliency to help you get through your story. This is your host, Casey Crawford Kellum. I'm a widow who has certainly faced my share of adversity, but I continue to keep on dancing. I'm a school counselor, author, yoga instructor, motivational speaker, and former business owner and special ed teacher, and now, Podcaster, my journey is about helping you to get through your journey. Hello, I'm here today with my partner in crime, Greta, and we are interviewing Therese Lynch, a friend of Greta's. Uh, Therese is a wife of 17 years to Jim and a mom of two children through a transracial open adoption. She has been a type 1 diabetic for over 30 years, which is why her husband and she chose adoption to create their family. Therese is also a school-based speech-language pathologist serving elementary schools. Welcome, Therese. How are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm living the dream, thanks. And we got Greta here in the background. We're doing this Zoom-wise, socially distanced. Greta, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Case. How are you? Everything's good. Everything's good. And I, you know, I always love a good interview. Um, Trace and Greta are connected from their with their two sons who are friends. And of course, we share, all share a connection having been in education. So Greta taught uh, in Cleveland for 17 years. Yes, ma'am. And Therese is a speech pathologist. She's in uh, Grafton. So, and obviously I'm out in Parma City School. So we have no idea what we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks, but we'll figure it out. So Therese, um, you know, this podcast, Pep Talks, is about us sharing our adversity and the tools we use to get through it. And you and I spoke a little bit beforehand and you talked to me about the 33 years of diabetes type one that you've had. So take us uh, through that journey. Like, how were you even diagnosed with diabetes? What was going
1: on? Um, So diabetes, type one diabetes, there's multiple types. Type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease. And so your immune system attacks what are called the islet cells in your pancreas. And you start with like, it's usually starts with something viral. And so I was sick with, they thought it was the flu. I was nine. They thought I had the flu. Um, I got misdiagnosed three or four times. Um, I lost 30 pounds in about a month span of time. Um, and I just, I stopped eating. I was drinking a ton, like drinking gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of water And going to the bathroom all the time, like I would drink a two liter pop and immediately hit the bathroom, but you don't think anything of it. you think, you know, it's the flu, you're hydrating, you know, um, you have a stomach ache, you're run down, things like that. Um, and I just wasn't getting better, wasn't getting better. And the pediatrician is like, look, just take her to the pediatric urgent care. Um, and my dad took me to the hospital. They took me in and they said, we don't know what's wrong with her. But I, I truly owe my life to, I, I will never forget this man's face. I wish I knew his name. This doctor, he had to be all about 5'3". And he said, I have one blood test. And my dad was really excited because it was going to pay for the emergency room visit. I mean, money was tight. We had, my dad was a truck driver, had a pay cut the year I was diagnosed. Like He was like, great, they'll cover it. Um, and it came back. My blood sugar was 687 normal for anybody who doesn't have diabetes is between 80 and 120.
0: Oh my so,
1: gosh. That's, yeah, I my blood sugar it. was yeah, I was about 2 to 3 days away from a coma.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank goodness for that doctor.
1: Yeah, oh I owe my life to him and I wish who whoever he is wherever he is, I will never forget his face. I wish I knew his name. I was too little and too sick. Um I spent my body was shutting down. All my veins had collapsed. Um it was bad, um I was in the hospital for a week, gained some weight back, um, you know, and when I was first diagnosed, things were so different like blood sugar testing was different, and I took shots, and like it was everybody takes two shots a day and you just kind of follow this really strict diet, which is really hard when you're nine um, and I got a good handle on it, I always took charge of it, like I was early on like. We have to do this. We have to be on this. Like it, this is this is mine to live with. Um, well, and then you go to college. It is life
0: change for you're in like third grade, and fourth seventh, grade, fourth grade, and suddenly you have to change your diet. Right? There's no more. You got to check your carbs, your sugars, before every meal. And and did you have a self pump at that time? I mean, no. Think, no.
1: The pumps at that time, like I have a pump now, the pumps at that time actually had gears in them to move the insulin. The pump I have now is so technologically advanced. Like it's a tiny, tiny little computer. It's, wow. it's amazing. Like, and the pumps couldn't tell your blood sugar. I can show you. I mean, it's the si- I can hold it in my hand. It's the size of a pager. I can push a button and it can tell me what my blood sugar is, if it's going up or down. I didn't have that when I was first diagnosed. And so um, did you have anything that you had like
0: some sort of pump on you or did you have to just no, prick your, you had to prick your you finger? Just,
1: you just prick your finger and you do shots with like the big needles. So you drop your insulin. you according to like, they called it a sliding scale. So if your blood sugar is, and it was huge numbers, like my sliding scale is really tiny now. It was huge. It was like, if your sugar's from here to here, you do this much. If it's from here to here, you do this much.
0: And you and it, had to self-administer this yeah. as a nine-year-old. Oh, my yeah.
1: goodness. I had to do that before I could leave the hospital. And I took to it. My mom gave me the first couple of shots. And I was like, no, if I'm going to do this, I need to do this. And did you do it at school? I didn't ever have to do it at school. I actually didn't have to worry about it. I was on shots um, Grade school, high school. And it's funny, like, even in grade school, fourth grade is where you really start changing. You start meeting your friends. You start having groups. And the group of people that I was in with disappeared like, gone, poof. Like, people acted like they were going to catch things from me. Like, oh, I'm going to catch diabetes. Oh, I'm going to. So you're trying to form all these relationships in these, you know, your preteens. And everybody that had supported me and was like, oh, you're great is like, yeah, I don't want to touch you. How
0: Um, how sad and heartbreaking for you. That had to be a really difficult time for you.
1: It was crazy. But truly, I met two wonderful women, um, one of whom was also going through um, an autoimmune disease, different from me, but it like literally diagnosed the same year. Um, My friend Kelly. Hey, Kel. Uh, (laughs) And she and I have been friends. Like this friend and I, this group of three of us have been friends for over 33 years now. And like moving states, moving countries, like I found, even though I lost some people, which is really hard at that age, I found the most amazing friend group that I've kept and will keep for a lifetime.
0: Right. You found the right tribe. And, and were yes. they kids that went to school with you or how did you meet these two? Through school. Through school. Through school. Wow. One door shuts, the other door opens. And here yep. you are with people that could relate to you and- you know, some of this is meant to be that toxic group needed to go. They didn't understand yep. and they weren't going to be there for you. And these two lifesavers came into your life and you don't yeah. feel different. You don't feel ostracized when you meet people yeah. that have similar situations.
1: And it's wow. funny, the older I get, like when I got into to high school, I'm like, this is who I am. I was more clear in my identity. And if you can take me with this, great. I've never hid my disease. Like some people want to hide and you get that you want to be normal. And I'm using air quotes with normal. Nobody, there's no such thing as normal. And I just wanted people to to surround myself with people like, this is me. I'm putting it out there. I've never been anything but me. And I got that. And then in college, I was like, I don't have time for people who don't have time for me and the full me. If you can't take me at my best, you don't, or you can't take me at my worst. I'm, I'm not giving you my best. I don't have the energy for that. So it built a very small strong tribe that i still have touch with many of these people today i
0: love that if you can't take me at my worst then you don't get me at my best that's powerful that's wonderful i mean and and you know you you couldn't do a lot of the same things that these friends of yours these colleagues could do Because of just your eating restrictions, I'm sure just any party that you went to, everybody's enjoying all these treats and snacks and you've got to, you know, monitor everything. It had to be a real struggle to trying to fit in and going to these socials, but having your own diet and such.
1: It was less the diet and more because that was my downfall was actually what led me to getting a pump because I didn't follow the diet. And that can be I took the insulin, I checked my blood sugar, I still kept things, but I didn't follow because I didn't want to look different. But parents reacted even more than the kids, like, well, they didn't want me, like I go in another room and they're like, well, we can't have her at our house because she takes, you know, she's got needles and she's got this. And
0: wow, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's really heartbreaking. That had to be a really tough childhood. I mean, older childhood there, heading into middle school, trying to find where you belong, and then having even parents act ignorant to you. It's a real struggle. Middle school is tough as it is. Right. And throw this wrench in. It's like, oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry you went through that. But you sound like you are a really uh, strong woman. Like you just had this, like, if you can't take me at my worst, too bad. This is me. This is who I am. and That's hard to do. I mean, where do you attribute having that kind of strength from?
1: I really don't know. I I really don't. Like it wasn't, you know, my, my family is very quiet, very keeps to themselves. Um, I'm kind of like the black sheep in the sense that I am, I say I'm an extroverted introvert. Like I'm always out. I'm always talking. I'm able to like interact in any group. Like my husband will say, he'll be like, you could talk to anybody about anything. And it would be like, you act like it's just nothing. And I just, I think I was really comfortable in my sense of self, if that makes sense. Sure does. And I could tell quickly, I can really tell quickly who I can rely on and who I can't.
0: You got like that innate intuition.
1: I'm um,
0: thankful for that. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's, uh, that's not something a lot of people have, and they end up flocking to some of the wrong people and don't understand the people's true objectives with them, and you were able to see that off right off, which I'm sure helped you to gain those two lifelong friends of yours. You, know, you were able to migrate. Okay, these kids left me, but hey, I'm going to find my way, and I'm going to find the people that are true to themselves and true to me.
1: And I can say that through every part of my journey, like truly, even in college, I have, once again, it's a group of three women. We still like, a couple of us hadn't seen each other for like 10 years and we just pick up right where we left off. And these three women, like we've been through thick and thin, they actually saved my life in college. I had a low blood sugar event and started to have seizures
0: oh my in the gosh. middle of
1: the night. Um, so once again, that normal is 80 to 120. My sugar. Ch- um, dropped to 19. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and my roommate woke up and knew something was wrong and they couldn't get me to eat anything. And they called nine one one and they saved my life. Like, and I get, when my blood sugar drops, it's almost like a drunken state and I get mean. So I punched a paramedic. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Now I didn't know any of this was going on, but I leveled the man. Oh my so gosh. I woke up in restraints and they're like, your roommate saved your life. And there's people that are still in my life. Like every blessing. phase I've had that group and I'm so thankful for them because, you know, we've all been through tough stuff together and still made it out. But yeah, I mean.
0: I, I love that you've continued to maintain these rela- relationships and you say we've been through tough stuff. So not only were you diagnosed with diabetes, type one diabetes, but you with that Autoimmune uh, disease gained two other autoimmune diseases, as if Correct. diabetes wasn't enough, right? Uh, it so usually
1: happens in a trifecta.
0: It does. They okay. call it. <laughs> I did not realize that until speaking to you. And so, tell us about this trifecta and what else you had going on. And when this, when did this all get discovered?
1: Um, it's been kind of falling into place as we go. Um, I have a severe food allergy. It's to one item, uh, two items. Um, and it got, it was like, I was really young, but it got worse and worse and worse. So like, it's a two EpiPen to get you to the hospital kind of reaction. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, What
0: what is the food?
1: Um, cashews. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cashews and quinoa. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's only cashews, but I have to avoid all tree nuts because if it even like touches it or is in the same. Factory, I react. So
0: Certainly. it's a very
1: severe. So seasonal allergies are just your body's way of, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. Auto, like the autoimmune reaction is the food allergies because your body is treating that entity as something that doesn't belong. And that's that immune system overreacting and saying, oh my gosh, we have to kill this like with fire right now. So that's the food allergy portion.
0: So, how old were you when you first discovered the cashew allergy? I was four. Oh my gosh.
1: So, and what it just up? started with hives, but it got worse.
0: Wow. And so at the time when you were four and you had the hives, did your family realize you had this cashew allergy? Yep.
1: Okay. Yep. And they got rid of them out of the house. Like we were always warned. So I was always really hyper aware with food.
0: And then when did you actually have to have two EpiPens
1: Um, it gradually went up the first time I had to do an EpiPen. I was out of college already. I was in my mid twenties. Um, and I think it was actually in between college and graduate school. Um, so I was like right in my early twenties and I ate something and didn't know it had it in it. And, and I was always looking, but for some reason didn't. And it ended up like my tongue started to swell up and then every reaction has been worse since then.
0: Oh my gosh, how scary.
1: Yeah, it's it's scary.
0: So do you carry EpiPens with you? Yes. In all times. Yes. Those are very expensive, aren't they? they yes. That every- and
1: insulin, it's great.
0: Oh my goodness. Wow. So here you are, you have this diabetes. First of all, you're four years old and you start getting hives to, to cashews. So you've got to start watching what you're eating avoiding all the peanut butters, which is kind of in a whole lot of stuff. You don't realize that until you have, you know, an allergy or reaction to something. You don't realize how many things have Have nuts nuts in in them. Oh my gosh. And then now you're nine years old and you end up with diabetes type one diagnosis. And then you ended up with more. Tell us about the third, the trifecta. The
1: trifecta. So I have, something that's a vagal nerve response and it actually involves three different things. So, um, like when I was in college, like at 19, part of it was stress. Um, I'm very, very hard on myself. I'm very driven, but I'm very goal oriented, but I'm very hard on myself. Um, I developed reflux and irritable bowel syndrome and that's a lot with stress induced. However, Mm -hmm. it also, that vagus nerve, it just travels all over. They call it the wanderer. And so it wanders into your gut and wanders into your stomach. And um, and then related to that, when I was in my mid-20s, this was a couple, like 27, 28, I started having heart issues.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So it was like palpitations. Um, and it, they called it like a pseudo response. They never quite figured out what it was. It wasn't anything with my heart. It wasn't anything with the muscle itself or the nerves in the heart, it was my brain giving my heart the wrong message. So they wrapped that all up in like a a vasovagal nerve issue because it was the three things together.
0: And have you ever had to have surgery for any of these?
1: No. no.
0: And I'll bet that yoga um, really helps that vagal nerve, a lot of cows. Yes. (laughs) what are you doing to keep yourself healthy what what kind of tools are you using to keep your body in check here
1: i use yoga a lot and i do i run um so i run now with school being out i run like 3 days a week and do yoga 3 days a week um i'm right now training myself for a half marathon Good just to run you. it just because um so i've run 3 half marathons um Since I did like right before I turned 40, I wanted to run one. And so I've run three and this will be number four, Good, but just trying to keep in shape, trying to eliminate stress, which is the hardest uh, for any of us in this. Yeah. Trying to decrease stress. Even my son told me I had something happen today that was completely crazy, completely insane. And I'm like, I just keep worrying about it. My son's like, just stop, mom, just stop. And I said, I wish I could, honey. I really wish I could turn that part of my brain off and I
0: I can't. Gotcha. Well, well, and and speaking of son, uh, that takes us to this whole adoption piece that I just marvel over. Um, Your husband and you made a decision uh, based on your health that it would be best to adopt. So now you have two children. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about these children and when you adopted them and, and that whole process. It sounds like quite a blessing for all of you.
1: It is. We are blessed beyond measure. Um, We made the decision and it was just, it was both of us and it was more people with type one diabetes. There's this misconception that you can't have a healthy baby and you can't stay healthy. Like people think of Shelby from steel magnolias. Magnolias. I'm just, yep. Like you said, Greta, like I'm just going to die. That's not true. However, looking at, you have to be really strict with your control. And I knew where I was at when we wanted to start a family, we both looked at the numbers and we tried for several years to get my, my blood sugars in that very tight range. And they just never were there. They couldn't be. Um, And then we looked at my health history, my family's health history, my husband's health history, like, and he's healthy, but his, his father, his grandfather, and we were like, adoption is the way for us to go. Um, and so we went through the process. It was about, and like in between there, there were, we moved and there were career changes. And so we got delayed a little bit. Um, and then we did all the home we did, there's a lot of work that goes in. You have to apply, you have to have home study, you have to have social workers come out and um, look at your house. You have to have the fire department inspect your house It was funny too, during the one inspection and you're so nervous, you're so anxious. And I anxiety clean like a lot. What does that mean? You you anxiety? Oh, I will rip stuff apart and clean it like on my hands and knees, (laughs) scrubbing the floor on my hands and knees, like scrubbing the toilet out. Like I need you in my house right now. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Um, It's it, it helps my anxiety and I do have anxiety. I know that I acknowledge it. I, It's right there. I need to acknowledge it and know that it's in my life to help keep it under control. But yeah, I clean every surface. But at the time, we were ripping up a bathroom. So the social worker came in, and there's a toilet in the middle of our bedroom.
0: Oh, boy. (laughs) And I'm like,
1: huh, it's going to be great. I'm like, there was nothing we could do. And in the (laughs) middle of the toilet was one of our cats, like sitting in the bowl of the toilet. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm like, that's it. There we are. But you know, we (laughs) passed all those things and then we waited and waited. We got selected. Um, and it's exciting. Like we got to meet this birth mother. We got to meet this person. Um, she gave birth. We came down and there's a 72 hour waiting period in the state of Ohio. It varies from state to state. Um, and she chose to parent after. So we had this, this baby for three days and she and they chose to parent um, and so we gave her we had to give her back.
0: Oh my god that had to be so heartbreaking
1: it, it was it was wow. and I'm not a big fan of that everything happens for a reason but this definitely gave me perspective for the future because I can I, I do not know what it is like to give a child to another person to care for and to be their parent, but I have a better understanding of it. And, um, so I can never understand fully. I can't, and I won't pretend to because that's not fair to those selfless birth mothers out there, including the ones for my children. Um, but I like, (laughs) it gave me perspective.
0: Sure. Um, There was a piece of that woman that she gave away for three days and that's a emotional and you're already, you know, hormonal from the giving the birth and add to this this beautiful baby and all the challenges. I right. mean, there's just so much going on. No one would ever understand that. And I certainly don't judge on that. Right. Regardless.
1: So So we ended up waiting another year and a half then. We had wow. to redo our home study, redo all the stuff because it expires after two years. And we had, I don't want to say we'd given up, but we went on with life with this constant waiting in the background. And we, I, out of the blue, my husband said, he was like, call the agency, like text the social worker. And I texted her and I, I said, Hey, just checking in. Cause we hadn't heard like in between the first one, we had a second one fall through it's oh like six gosh. months later. Oh no. And then we, like, it was two years. And so she said, we, you've been matched. We didn't want to call you until she signed the paperwork Oh, because yes. of everything that had happened. Absolutely. Wow. So they called us on a Wednesday. Um, we actually got the call on my father's birthday. Oh, oh so nice. it was really cool. And then we met him three days later wow. and we've had him since he was five days old.
0: Oh, and what is this child's name? This is Ethan. This is Ethan. So you met Ethan. Wow. And and you got to keep Ethan. And now Ethan is... Ethan is eight. (laughs) eight Wow. What a blessing. Yeah. So from start to to the time you got Ethan, was that about three and a half years? About. Yeah. About. A long time of highs and lows and hope and despair and we've got the baby in our hands and now we're giving the baby back and we've got another baby. That's that's a lot to go through while still maintaining your marriage, your career and and your life and your health, which autoimmune diseases are very triggered by stress. So here we have three and a half years of this roller coaster ride. What were you doing to get through that time to, you know, keep the hope there and keep yourself sane and healthy
1: it's a lot when you talk about like love and like that first one that happened. Thank God that Jim and I had each other because we were on the same page. We were on, we've always been on the same page when it comes to this and he and I are two opposite ends of the spectrum. He is very type B. I am very type A. We're like the epitome of an opposites attract. Um, But on this, we were together like, it, it, we, you know, we just held each other up, and then like, but I just my work gave me a leave of absence. I was teaching at a university. They're like, you take as much time as you need. Luckily, my boss was an, a parent by adoption, um, and so they gave me time, and I just sat on the couch and I didn't get up for like a week. And I will never forget my friend, one of my friends, knocking on the door with a tin of cookies because it was around Christmas time, and. Jim's like, you got to come here. And I came to the door and she's at the door and she said, what do I have to do? And she and I are still friends. Like I'm just blessed to have love and that going back to that love and then gradually just getting myself out of that depression and being able to, um, to, to do that.
0: Wow. Very blessed. I'm I'm so grateful that the two of you helped each other through this difficult time And, and so three, you have this little boy eight years ago, but you didn't stop there. No. Even after the three and a half years of highs and lows, you get this beautiful little boy. And what did you guys do next?
1: Um, We waited about a year and then we applied again. And so did the whole process again um, because everything was almost expired anyway. So fingerprinting everything um, applied. And we had like a ton of matches at first. Um, and none of them were the right fit. And then we um, got matched right around, right after Christmas time. Um, and we, about a month later, we got a call that my daughter Zoe was born and we met her after she was a day old.
0: Oh my gosh. Now you met her after she was a day old, but the mother would have, would the mother still have had two more days to make a decision? Yes, she
1: did. She absolutely did. You cannot sign in the state of Ohio until 72 hours.
0: So that had to be a little nerve wracking. You meet this beautiful little baby girl and then it's like, okay, well, we've got another day, two days yeah. to go. And, and luckily that worked out for you. Now you um, also had mentioned to me that this was an open adoption. Correct. So what does an open adoption look like?
1: Open adoption is different for everybody. Um, it's different for birth mothers, each individual child. For my children, it's different even. For my son, his, um, we send letters and pictures. We've opened it up to have letters and pictures sent back, and that hasn't been taken advantage of, and that's okay. That's where his birth mother is at. She is still wonderful, loving, caring. She just needs to do what she needs to do to keep herself healthy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. My daughter, we have sent letters and pictures back and forth, and we actually, through the pandemic, ironically enough, ended up meeting face-to-face over Zoom. Whoa. And so she has met her birth family, and these women are amazing, and I... I've been known to. Somebody made a comment to me at one point, and we were at an event and said, Well, how could these people not love their children? And I put down my drink, and Jim Walky's like, Oh, this is going to be bad. Like, here we go. (laughs) And I went to school, like, there is nothing but love that came out of this. This was the hardest decision ever. And these women are amazing, and I have nothing but mad love. And don't you ever talk mad about my birth mothers because they are amazing, powerful. Women that had to make the most difficult choice they ever could, and their choice was made to keep their children in the best possible way that they could. Amen. One hundred percent selfless.
0: Absolutely. Yes. I yes. Completely agree. Yes. Well put, and I, I concur. You and, you know, what you've done is all an act of love. You've given them a safe place to grow up, live, be fostered, and cared for, and yet. You know, have worked to keep their biological moms in the picture when and if they want to be in the picture, which with no judgment. And you know, I love your attitude. I love how you look at the whole picture that all of this is based on love. That's beautiful. So, not only did you ha- open your heart and home with love for these two children, but you kind of made a choice to uh, not have any boundaries in your adoption by having what. Um, you referred to it as a transracial adoption. Can you tell us a little more about
1: that? Transracial adoption is where, um, so we are Caucasian, our children are African-American. It's when somebody, uh, it, when a parent chooses to adopt a child of a different ethnicity race. Um, so an African-American couple adopting a Caucasian baby, a Caucasian couple adopting um, a a child who's Hispanic, something like that.
0: Sure. Beautiful. So that, it was never a factor for you of you, you wanted a baby. Correct.
1: Correct. It didn't, didn't matter.
0: Didn't matter to you. And I love that. And how has that been for the two children? How have they fit into your society and, and the neighborhoods and all?
1: It's, it's interesting. I don't want to say that we were colorblind because that's really like almost an ignorant comment to make. Um, but they've gotten along well with everybody. They love their schools. They are loved by their school friends. I mean, Greta's son and my son are our best buddies. Like their teachers love them. Um, the people in the neighborhood love them. However, looking at a worldview is much different. It's much different. I have to I have to make sure that they know that their world is different because it's dangerous. Um, it is different for me to get pulled over than my son eventually when he drives in eight years. Um, <laughs> pushing that one aside but it's different if he gets stopped in a traffic stop. So if I get pulled over, I don't just sit there like you're supposed to just sit with your hands on the wheel. I put my hands on top of my head. And when the officer comes, this is my name. I have no weapons in the car. Can I reach for my ID? My ID is in my purse. My purse is on the floor. May I reach for it? Yes, sir. No, sir. Now I always did the yes or no, sir, but sure. As a Caucasian female, I don't have to put my hands on my head or worry like about turning off the radio. Um, there's, You have to look at, they can't go into Target and just buy something. I can go into Target and walk out with the receipt and the item out the door. My children have to take a bag because people look at them. They walk into the store and they look at them. They zero in on them. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens. And I, I'm possibly hyper aware, but I'd rather be hyper aware in this situation because I don't want, I want to do my best to keep my children safe and my children are not Caucasian and I can't treat them as if they are.
0: So you have to give them the worldly view and prepare them for each time of their life when they become teenagers and they're driving and when they're applying for colleges and going off to college. And, you know, it's gotta be a, a little bit of a struggle trying to figure out where they fit in because they're living in a primarily white community, correct? Correct. Um,
1: I, I have searched for a lot of, I have a lot of online resources. I follow people who have been transracial adoptees, um, follow transracial people who are transracial adoptees. I have a lot of African-American people who are in our lives and we have like, we have friends that are, their children are African-American, they're Caucasian. We have the wonderful friend who does my daughter's hair is, um, part African-American. And so our children play together. We talk to her, I ask her questions. Um, the, the woman who does their hair, like cuts their hair. So I need resources. And if somebody comes up to me, I was at Target one time looking for hair stuff for my daughter. Cause my daughter has huge hair that is the exact opposite of mine. And I'm looking and she said, is that your baby in the cart? And I was like, yeah. And she said, let me help you. Great help. Because I am here. I am not African-American. I need help. So, oh, but
0: how beautiful that somebody came up to you with that hope that she could be of help to you. So many people, I'm sure, just passed you by and go, I don't know what's happening there. She's in the wrong section. Why are right. looking for she, that she's- product? <laughs>
1: the right. funny she is- got white hair looking in the black hair section. Right. I get a lot of strange looks. My favorite, though, was we were at the grocery store, and it's usually Caucasian people that are making these not so nice comments. And a woman looked in the cart and Ethan was small enough to be in the little car seat. And she looked in. she's like, oh, your baby's black. And I was like, oh, my God. What? And I said, so I looked at her and I said, I looked in the cart and I said, oh, my gosh, it is. And I walked away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous. That is fabulous. Who would say that? It's like right. walking up to
1: somebody and like, your nose is fake. Right. Why is that okay? Like <laughs> right.
0: it's not okay. Such ignorance out there, and yes, you know, with everything going on right now, I'm hoping that people become a little more intelligent about the the races and uh you know come together with a little more love here. And you know certainly this talk has been a lot about love. You, you know, giving opening your homes, your hearts, Jim and you to these two children, given them opportunities that they may not have had being raised otherwise. And, and so I appreciate that. I appreciate all your love that you, you have given these ch- children and the opportunities that they have because of your love. Uh, you, certainly, you certainly are a wonderful woman and um, I do appreciate that love. And I'm so grateful that I've been connected to you through Greta Living with this type one diabetes, and of course the trifecta with the vagal nerve response and the severe food allergies to the cashews and also the quinoa, and choosing to, out of the act of love, adopt a child. Looking at your health, your husband's health, and the the history of your health, and that's a that's a true act of love. Like, hey, you know what? We maybe aren't the best health wise to create our own. Let's Let's be selfless and help other, other babies out there. And there's lots of love that's needed out there. So I totally commend you for that. And then you adopt not one, but two children, ages eight and six now. You've given them a wonderful opportunity, wonderful lives, and you continue to help try to reach out to their moms and keep them connected. And I just, I love this. I love this whole story. You are certainly a beacon of resiliency. And I'm, I'm grateful to have met you And I'm sure you're an amazing speech pathologist. I can just feel the love in your heart. You must be a very empathetic and very caring with those kids as well.
1: I love my kidlets at school. I have my kids at home and my kidlets at school.
0: I like that, the kidlets at school. Very good. They're all my kids. (laughs) They are, they are. And I hope that you're able to see your kids and be in contact with your kids soon. We don't know what this school year is going to look like. Mm -hmm. We are actually taping recording this uh, on the middle of August here in 2020. So each day is a new day as far as what's going to happen with our kidlets. (laughs) So I wish you well. I hope you have a good school year. I hope your health continues to be well. And I hope that these two little children grow up to be as amazing parents and people as you, Therese. Thank you so much for your time on Pep Talks.
1: Thank you so much.
0: We learned from Therese Lynch that when faced with any disease, especially when young, it is okay to be clear with your identity and not hide your disease. A good way of dealing with friends who unfriend you during your times that are trying is to believe, if you can't take me at my worst, then you don't get me at my best. Love can get you through difficult times, support one another when needed. Sometimes, when dealing with the unknown, you have to get on with your life, despite the constant waiting in the background. Today's gratitude is Love is a Fruit that is Always in Season by Mother Teresa. Well, that's it for today's interview. We hope our guest's story helps you get through your story. Don't stop believing and keep on dancing.